Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, all from snowy Buffalo. We finally actually got some snow, so we're living up to our reputation, Russ. Yeah, no snow here. Yeah, well, global yeah, warming is. It's a well, I was, I was on Winnipeg Radio today, and I heard the weather report. It was like 30% chance of snow today, which means it's a great day, and then like 100% chance tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it's balmy. It's only minus 7 Celsius here. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that's what? That's what? In the high teens or low 20s? Yeah, it's Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Hardy people up there in Manitoba. Yes, they are. Okay, um, Russ, it was it was funny because last week the the talk was that Otani, the 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 dual threat Japanese star, the Japanese Babe Ruth as they call him, was shunning off all um, major markets. That he you know he didn't want to go to New York or Boston. He didn't want to go to a big market where there'd be a lot of attention. Well, he just signed with the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. That's just what it calls, just what I call a small market. But it is a small market. If no, you think about not. it, it's it, L.A. It, it's not. It's not. It's a small market. If you think about how we view the Angels and how the Angels are viewed around baseball, it's a much smaller market. I understand the proximity is not that far from Los Angeles, but it's far enough that I've been in L.A. and you don't even know Anaheim exists. So I think it is a small market. Now, the things that bother me is – when when everybody's saying he's he's the next Babe Ruth, they're not even saying Japanese Babe Ruth. They're saying Babe Ruth, and you know I always have a big problem with that because unless he's going to hit twenty, win twenty games and hit seven hundred fourteen homers, he's not Babe Ruth. Nobody's the next Wayne Gretzky. Nobody's the next Babe Ruth. But yeah, the old, the, is the he old, grossly old, out of shape too. No, <laughs> no. Well, Babe was well, in Babe shape. Was not, Babe was not grossly. Later in his career, he was. Yes. But but see that that's the thing. People people don't realize. For people who just know Babe Ruth from the candy bar and from the fat right. guy who who promised home runs to to some kid in an orphanage, um, he was basically if he had not t- taken up the bat, if he had not been a power hitting outfielder with the Yankees, he probably would have been a Hall of Fame pitcher. He was a right. you know he had great statistics for the. F- Four or five years he pitched with the Red Sox. Yeah, he he matched up against Walter Johnson and beat him. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, I mean, I, I think they're just saying he's a dual threat, and there hasn't been. And a just real- say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just say that. But the, the other thing that that sort of has me thinking weirdly about this is, so they're talking about Albert Pujols on the MLB Network, and short of saying that he's old, fat, and slow. Um, <laughs> that he is going to possibly lose at bats. And my thought is, are you still a major leaguer if you're a part-time DH? Think about that. Well, no, I see the thing I heard about Pujols was that he is like, he's like really getting in shape. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like every old guy who's yeah, ever said, I'm in the best shape of my life. He's losing. So he's a, starting he's, to take his contract seriously. Yeah. He's losing a, t- he's losing a ton of weight so he can still play in the field. And I'm thinking to myself, he's training you're with making, you're making thirty million dollars. Like you weren't doing this before. What, what kind of friggin' bum are you if you're not doing the it? Thing is, think about this too. He played six games at first base last year. Does it really matter if he's thinner? 
He's slow. His reflexes aren't the same. Now, granted, he hit 23 homers. He hit 100 RBIs. But he, if he starts playing the field, his numbers will go down. I guarantee it. I, I think Big Poppy played more games at first base during interleague than Albert Pujols. And we're talking about a guy whose knees were so shot that he could barely yeah. run the bases. And he so. hit into like a record number of double plays last year, Pujols. So yeah. but I'm, that's what I'm saying. I This is why I dislike the DH because – He's about a year from really realistically being out of baseball. If he didn't have this contract, he probably would retire even this year because of the kind of player he's been. But now, because of the DH, his career gets prolonged and we get to watch him, like, drastically age and, and deteriorate. Yeah, and and let, let me let me just throw one more little baseball thing here because the winter meetings are starting next week. So yep. in the pre-show, we'll probably be talking about trades and oh, stuff yeah. like that because it, 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 it's just out there. If you don't like baseball, tough. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Miami Marlins have started to, um, you know, tear themselves asunder. Uh, you know, the the the, the Stanton trade is going to happen anytime soon, uh, but they they traded D Gordon, an All Star second baseman, to to the Mariners. Which mm-hmm. the strange thing for that is, Russ, is that they have an All Star second baseman in Robbie Cano. So are they are they are they moving Cano? Are they are they using Gordon as a as a piece to, for a future deal? And the deal doesn't make sense other than the fact that that the Marlins are getting rid of their assets. I'll tell you what this reminds me of when um, when the Mets traded Lenny Dykstra, and we all know why. We don't have to get into it, but he tra- they traded Lenny Dykstra for Juan Samuel, who was also an infielder. And they made Juan Samuel a center fielder, and he yeah. was a disaster. Yeah. To say he was a disaster was probably being nice. But yeah. that's probably the plan. They're, they're going to probably stick him out in the outfield, and it's kind of dumb. But I want to talk about the potentially – It's not happening. Misguided, underhanded thing if if Giancarlo Stanton ends up with the Yankees. It's, it's not happening. It's not. You, you don't know it, that, so we have it, to talk it about makes, it. It makes no sense whatsoever. Let's trade for a twenty. Let's like trade trade for a twenty-nine million dollar outfielder when we have a guy who hit eight home runs less, who's making less than a million. That's nothing is impossible with the Yankees, so happening. it's worthy of talking about. And I the think fact that, that Derek Jeter starred for them. And Brian Cashman was his GM, makes it noteworthy. I think this is Brian Cashman doing a little bit of favor for his old buddy Derek, and it's not going to happen. Giancarlo Stanton's going to end up with the Giants or the Cardinals or somebody like that. It makes no sense whatsoever. Maybe it's to piss off the Mets because the Mets don't have enough to trade for Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> anyway. Oh, did we lock up there for a second? No, I'm just not uh-huh. saying anything. <laughs> I, I have nothing to add. I, I got nothing I don't, to add. That was just real ridiculous. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, December 8th, 2017. I'm Peter Tessie from Winnipeg. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, uh, some news out of Florida. Um, it's with the Board of Governors meeting. We talked about a few things yesterday. And uh, today, the, uh, the, the figure, and these are not etched in stone, but every year around this time, we'll get an indication of what the salary cap might be. And that came out today. And a little bit of a surprise because there, you know, there was an expected increase in revenue based on the Vegas franchise, based on, you know, it seems so far, it seems to be a, a, a pretty good year for, for the NHL. Um, but 
Well, currently the cap is at $75 million. And the indications are, and Pierre Lebrun reported that if the Players Association decides not to, to not, not even go with this escalator clause, if it's just no, zero, the cap could go up to by $3 million to $78 million. But if they take the full 5% escalator, which would mean an, a corresponding increase in escrow, the cap could go up to $82 million next year. Okay, now, but wait. Did, did we just not read the report where it said the players' escrow for the second quarter is 11.25%? So this is, these are artificial numbers we're talking about if the players have to still put that money aside. Just imagine, Peter, that, you know, your boss said, hey, you know, things are going okay here. Really, you know, we got a lot of revenue coming in, but we're going to pull 11.25% just to kind of make sure it keeps happening. And if we get there, you'll get your money back. Don't worry. Yeah, but you might, you might, I mean, but they negotiated that deal. No, no, I know that, but like, we're talking about raising the cap and the players don't even know if they're getting that money back. Well, but, but the thing is, Russ, that if the league is being, pro, I mean, right now the, the, the indications are that the league is going to be, I, I think the figure was uh, the league could make upwards of 5 billion this year. Yeah, it was 4 point something. 4.85, so. 4. something, something yeah. like that. If that happens, then they're getting back the escrow. It's the escrow yeah, that happens. There's yeah. still a lot of season left. We don't right, know. Right. But, but the escrow, the escrow is only being held in abeyance based on the fact that if the league doesn't make what they think, you know, what they project or what they expect, that then they, they have that money to, you know, balance the books. Right. It, it, it balances the revenue sharing between percentage between the players and, and the owners. That's right. what it is. That's all it is. So but here's the thing, Peter. Again, if I'm a player, if I see the league is saying we're going to have record revenues, why are you pulling 11.25% for me now? It makes no sense. Well, the league is predicting record revenues. Yeah, that's the, that's that's the point. Thing. That's the why prediction. I want to point out these are predicting. Just right. like yeah. I've done sales forecasts. I'm sure yeah. you've done sales yeah. forecasts, Peter. And I think we all could admit when we've done sales forecasts, sometimes we, we, we get it wrong. Right. Yeah. Right, and and that's yes, why we certainly do sometimes. Yes, and and yeah, and that's and that's why some people end up unemployed, like me, for a while. Right, uh, but but see, that's that's the thing. I mean, the, the PA is probably. I mean, remember they negotiated the percentage with the with the league this year. I think they negotiated at like one and a half percent. So that's why we got to seventy five million. More than likely, they're not going to negotiate to go to eighty two. Uh, especially with, and this is always a factor, based on the, the, the free agent class that's coming up, there is not a ton of big-time free agents other than, say, John Tavares and a couple wingers. There's not a lot of, uh, not a bunch of big-time free agents, which would lead me to believe that the PA is going to say, okay, well, we'll negotiate an, an, a slight increase to let these guys get their money, but we're not going to go hog wild. They're going to go hog wild next year when you've got Dowdy and Carlson and and Ekman Larson and all these other guys, if they make it that far, right? And that's that's the kicker, right? This is the thing that I think you know the, the player, the, the NHLPA has to be careful about when they decide to use the escalator, because if they're betting on the fact that oh, well, this is better for us to so move the cap up because we've got a bumper free agent crop. Things change really quick. They do. And just remember when, just remember two years ago when Stamkos was, or two, almost two years, Stamkos was going to come in and, and that was going to change the way yeah. things go. 
everyone's locking them up because they recognize the value in locking players up. Connor McDavid is locked up before he's locked up, like before right. he even sniffs free agency. Right. I mean, not that they were ever going to let him go, but you're going to take younger players and they recognize and teams are recognizing it's better to start paying them from 21 on yeah. to 28 or 29 right. than it is to try start paying them at 28 on. Right. And, and you're seeing now the class of free agents that come out when they're older aren't guys who command six, seven, eight million dollars a year that much anymore. GMs have wise right. up. It's better to pay them when they're younger. They figured that gap out. So, you know, for Dowdy, what's Dowdy going to be? 28? Yeah. Yeah. 28. So, you know, that's probably right at the cusp of. He'll be the exception. He'll get his money. He'll get his money, but any, like, you know, and he's one of the few. But if you're LA, do you even want to let him? T- do you even want to let him? You don't, but he might want to just sniff around like Stamkos right. did. I mean, remember, yeah. Stam- Stamkos didn't sign until. June right. 25th or 26th, yeah. five days before he became an unfettered free agent. He went to that five-day window to be yeah. able to talk to other Guys teams. like to be courted, and I think Drew Dowdy just wants to be courted. That's yeah. what I think is going on here. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. That five-day window is more – it can be just as much of, of a, okay, I'm worth what I'm getting here. They're not ripping me off. Right. I feel good about me. Everyone's told me how awesome I am. I had, few, the, I had a few flights on a private jet and yeah. had a few ho- meals out yeah. of it and nice hotel exactly. accommodations. I, had, I don't want to leave the LA area. I don't want to leave Tampa. I had a lobster in the finest restaurant in Toronto. There right. you go. Yeah. 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 But, but, but I mean, that, that that's, exists. yeah, that, <laughs> but that, but that's, that's the thing. That's the thing here. So I think that the P the PA is going to balance things out here, but, I think there's a possibility that they 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 don't go to the five percent, but that they they go to eighty million. That's a five million dollar increase. And if you look at like some of the teams that we cover, I mean, I mean for the Leafs, if they go to eighty million dollars, there is a reasonable chance that they will sign James Van Riemsdyk because then yes, they have five. I, I think that's fair. I do think you're right about that. I look at the other side though, as you know, and I think there'll be more teams upset that they'll have to reach the floor. Because the floor will be a pretty high number now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, George McPhee's not liking that too much, right? Well, I mean, George McPhee's got nine unrestricted free agents. This is going to force him to sign players to long-term deals because some well, players, anyhow. Right. I mean, you know, he's he's probably going to have to sign a guy like Marsha so to a deal because yeah, he's you know, got no choice. Right. But I mean, they 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 signed uh, Braden McNabb to a four-year deal, yeah. and I mean, I, you yeah. know. I, Braden McNabb's, a, 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 I think, a decent depth defenseman, but it looks like. Good. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. So it looks like the cap floor this year was fifty-five point four million. Right. So if we're talking about a cap floor that's over sixty million. Let's see how many teams will will dislike that. I'm going to look up on cap friendly. Well, I'll tell you one thing. One you, thing that you can look it up. I'll tell you one thing that'll happen. The Arizona Coyotes will trade for a a contract. Like a, a Mark Savard, Pavel Datsuk type. Doc Bogosian. There you go. Yeah. There you go. You know, see, uh, en- enjoy enjoy the golf in uh, in in uh, Tempe, and yeah. uh, enjoy your stay on LTIR for the next two years. Yeah. Very very you know Matt Molson. Matt Molson might be a, might be a uh, yeah. a commodity that the Sabers could. Try All right. On. So here's here are teams with a lot of cap space right now, the Arizona Coyotes. They're at fifty-eight million, so they they would have to spend more. 
Carolina Hurricanes at 59 would have to spend more. But not, not, not necessarily, Russ. That's the, that's the thing. You're talking about cap dollars. You're ta- if, you, if you trade for a player like Matt Molson, the cap hits five. The money is three. So they're not that's spending. That's fine, but if they're actually going to sign somebody like Larson or whatever, they're going to be spending more money. Well, yeah, yes, and that's and in in the situation that our, like, that organization is in, that when they're like not I making, think the, honestly, I don't know what the number is going to be, but I think the cap floor should go up to something like sixty-five. Well, I mean that that would require a new agreement on a new CBA because they're not there's that that amount they're determined if the cap yeah. floor is here, the cap ceiling. The is cap here. floor is fifty-nine this year, and it goes to eighty-five million or yeah. eighty-two million. You're gonna see a cap floor of about sixty-two, I think, right? Exactly. It's a tw- it's about a twenty million dollar. Sixty-two would only affect Carolina and 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 uh, Arizona. Nobody else. Everybody else is over. And there are enough bad contracts out there. I mean, hell, you hell the Florida Panthers could trade Roberto Luongo even if he's done for his career and find somebody that might be interested in taking on that contract because people need the the cap hit. Yeah, Marion Hosa. Marion Hosa. Three teams are without cap space, but one of them has five and a half million on LTIR that they could use in the leaf. So it's like this is like a, a weird time so we're living this, in. This is why this is why in that I just mentioned this and we'll move Minnesota's on. Minnesota's got over almost seven million that way, Mike. Well, that's because Zach Parise is on LTIR. Yeah. But but I mean the Leafs can make a, can add a five million dollar player at the deadline this year. Because Nathan Horton is on LTIR, mm-hmm. that's yeah, there, that. is, there are six teams that I counted quickly that have three million or more in LTIR. Um, okay, let's let's move on because there's a couple couple other things coming out now. After the show yesterday, the uh, Gary Bettman came out and made a, a bunch of statements regarding Seattle. It does sound, and the indications are that Seattle is on the track to to being the next expansion team. Now, there, there's no guarantees of anything. We're no, nothing's years away. I mean, I think they had – look, people knew that I, I was questioning Las Vegas. I'll question Seattle less because of it being a great sports town. And they have Bruckheimer now who they just yeah. added. Bonderman, Bonderman that, and Bruckheimer. That changed everything, right? That there. changed everything. Bruckheimer's been wanting a team. He, he yeah. plays hockey himself. And yeah. so now I have a different opinion of it than I did even from two days ago when Bruckheimer wasn't a part of this group. So that's a but, big deal. Yeah. But they came they came out with a set a set amount, six hundred and fifty yeah. million dollars. That's a hundred and fifty increase on 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 Vegas. But that's, that's three that's good. that could be problematic as we talked about yeah. yesterday. But that's three years down the line, so they can save up. They can cut their coupons and save up yeah. for that. Yeah. What uh, here's on that note though, that fee. Because I don't think we knew that during the show yesterday, did we? We no. didn't know it was six fifty. So no. I put a tweet out yesterday, and Jan Levine responded to it, and and he made some sense. But the issue is, is what between the Vegas franchise and now? Because the price doesn't matter in twenty twenty one. The price is set now. So you've you've decided the value of a franchise in Seattle is one hundred and fifty million dollars more valuable. Right. Than, than to buy one for Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. At the time of awarding the franchise with that $500 million check to the NHL, mm-hmm. there was no professional sports competition in Las Vegas. Right. Uh, 
teams. Sorry, there's no NFL, no NBA, right. no no MLB. Right. Now they've got eight games a year of the Las Vegas Raiders coming whenever that happens. Next okay. year. Right. Okay. Two years. In I'll Seattle, as I said yesterday, you're now against the Seahawks, the Mariners, the Sounders, the Huskies, and the Spurs of the Pacific Northwest. But your 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 value is worth $150, $150 million more. I don't it, understand it. It's, it's, it's not the market. It's the fact that Vegas was a success. And because Vegas was a success and the league is making more of a profit, now you look at the value of the franchises and the value of the franchises have increased. Now, I don't know if that's for real because I also think that they're doing that because they want to increase the values of the existing franchises. If you look at the whole situation with Carolina, they, yeah. that owner who bought 51 or 52%, he bought it for half of – Five hundred yeah. million dollars, two hundred and twenty-five to whatever. Probably should have bought it in bitcoins, but that's probably a right. But but, but that, and, and when he and when he purchases the other forty-eight percent, which he has the option to do, he may be purchasing it by buying off the debt of the owner of the yeah. pre of the previous right. owner. So in, in numbers, it's five hundred million, but in in the pocket of the NHL, it's not five hundred million. But in the pocket of Carmano, it's not on. The numbers that came out later on yesterday said he bought. 52% of 480 million. And then the remaining 48 was an agreed upon amount of 550. So he's so, paying a billion dollars. He's paying over yeah, a billion dollars. So then somehow it read. Now I can't remember. Now it was either LeBron. It was someone. I'm not going to say they're wrong. I'm just going to say it's one of the main, one of our main guys who are down there mm -hmm. um, right now who, who threw those numbers out. And maybe they miss, maybe they said, you're paying forty percent of five fifty. Yeah, right? I think I think that's what it is. But because there's no way you're valuing the Hurricanes as much as the Leafs are. No, 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 no. No, so there's something screwy in the way those numbers are presented. But I mean, that threw a lot of people for a loop yesterday. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I, I did. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, Peter, it would be the same as if White Castle opened up in Winnipeg. Whatever they charge for a White Castle in Brooklyn, they're going to charge the same in Winnipeg, even if it, even if they don't know if it's going to be a success. Yeah, but that's they're going to, but they're but they're going to charge more for Alka-Seltzer after you go to White Castle. Okay. The one, now the one, the one thing that was interesting on the, I listened to some of the Canadian talk shows this morning and you know, I I'm pro I'm pro Quebec city. I love the Nordiques being there. They were a team that I love to hate when I want when they played, you know, the Habs or played the Leafs or played the Sabres. It, I thought it was good for the rivalry and, uh, and they were, they were an exciting team at times. So I would like to see them go back there. But Gord Miller from TSN said something interesting regarding the prospects of Quebec. You know, they built the building. The building's already there. The the Canadian right. the, the Canadian dollar is a factor, and the Canadian dollar is at, at about I think seventy. It's like uh, 29, 30%, something like that. It's like a dollar a dollar Americans, a dollar thirty Canadian. So that that, that that's the, the stronger Canadian dollar would make it easier for that Quebec core group to buy, to buy the team. And you're talking about probably like eight, what, $800 million uh, Canadian if it was right now. But Gordon Miller brought up the fact that Pelado, the owner of uh, that, that group was part of the Quebec separatist movement was that wanted Quebec to separate mm -hmm. from Canada that threw that threw Canada into an economic downturn and a lot of these owners lost lots of money back in the day because of that that and he thinks and he has spoken to some owners in the league that say they would never get the stamp of approval to Quebec City because of that factor so I'm like okay 
but why would you spend the money that you spent on building a brand new building if you knew that that was going to be a hurdle to getting a team back in the NHL? That's I, I, okay. So I know of a of a very large company with, and I'm I know the professionally the CEO and their and their second in command and. They're both French Canadian and they'd been involved in this. And originally when the rumor before the stadium was going to be built, he told me, he goes, if it's not these guys doing it, our company name will be on the stadium. And it ended up being Quebec Corps. So that was out. But does the NHL not have a provision of a certain amount of personal money that has to be used to buy a team. Because the NFL, you can't have a company buy it. Right. NFL has to be personal wealth. You've got to have a billion or be able to get a billion dollars or whatever it is. Well, I, I mean, if, that, if, that, if that's the case... Because I, how many companies, how many co corporate-owned teams are there? Yes, well, the team is a corporate. Corporation is its entity. But how many corporations own a team in, in an NHL market? And... Well, I mean, Tor Tor I mean, the thing with Toronto is it's Bell, it's Rogers. Yeah. So who own an equal percentage, and yeah. I think it's about thirty-five to thirty, you know, maybe um, upwards of forty percent. But Larry Tannenbaum yeah. owns twenty percent of that, so that might be the that might be the provision there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there is one. I'm just asking because in this case, they've got to bring a very wealthy person in Quebec to the table or outside of Quebec. To, to get into this. Yeah. That's, that's sort of what I'm curious about. What's that, Russ? I was going to say, I'll tell you what my feeling is. I think my, my feeling is they built that place because they felt like, you know what? We'll just wait out the NHL. They'll come calling when a couple of franchises start having trouble and we'll get one, regardless of these, un, you know, owners liking somebody or not. If they're in a situation where they have to go somewhere yeah, and they have to go somewhere and well, that, I think that's what they're looking at. And then so man, Russ, to that sentiment, you go back to 2010, 2011. If Winnipeg didn't have an ownership, an owner group to partnered with the richest man in Canada, right. And a, and a, and a suitable arena, right. They convinced and Seattle did that. The, the thrashers are in Seattle. Absolutely. Like, overnight. Absolutely, right. Like it wouldn't, it wasn't not even a question. Not right. an issue. Right. So yeah. there's no Winnipeg Jets. So if, if anything's happening, they're taking, they're going to take the Winnipeg Jets approach, the, yes. the Mark Chipman, David Thompson approach, build it, build your brand around it, yep. get the thing, bring in concerts, bring in events, yep. get your other revenue streams going because you're going to need them anyways. Right. And be patient. Yep. And work the channels. Yeah. Because that's really, if, if what Gordon Miller said is true, and I don't, there's there's good logic there. They're gonna need he's that group is gonna need to mend some bridges. Yeah, right. and, and, and I think just as importantly, the things I've heard regarding like Montreal's because uh, Montreal not not anybody has a territorial block on teams moving one place to the other. That's been proven with the whole you know second team in Toronto stuff that you know the the Leafs never had a, uh, a territorial block on that. But Montreal seems to be okay with the fact that Quebec would move, you know, that a team would come into Quebec. In fact, I think it would probably, you know, it would be a great thing in terms of boosting 
you know, interest and sales and things of that nature. So I, there's no problem there. It's just right now, I think the problem is, is that Bettman is making sure that the new ownership with Carolina is going to keep that team there. And the only thing I think that Quebec is right now is sort of the stick and carrot with teams like Florida or maybe the Islander situation with the building there. I mean, well, I mean Arizona they, got brought up yesterday and Bettman basically said, yeah, they're, they're working on an arena deal. How long are they working on it for? Well, yes. and, and, that, and they have to have one. And and I, I heard I think it was I think it was Pierre LeBrun say that the patience amongst some of the owners regarding the Arizona situation is is wearing thin, and that yeah. if, if it's not if it's not taken care of within say a year, then you know there are options out there now. Not just I mean yeah. Seattle won't be ready for three years, but yeah. this Houston thing. I mean that's that's the thing with Quebec. All of a sudden Arizona to Houston geographically makes a lot of sense. He keeps he them in the West. It keeps them, yeah. you know, they maybe they move divisions with Dallas, but it it it, it makes more sense to, for for that it's than not an expansion team. It's sort of like a tester. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Right. Uh, and now on this on this thought, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, Mr. Uh, Murray Edwards. Yes, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. And he said. Not looking good. Now, now Elliot, and, Elliot, Friedman, Elliot Friedman asked him today in Florida whether the team was up for sale, and he said no. But he said, you know, the ownership group, because it's mul multiple owners, and Edwards, I think, is the, has yeah. the highest percentage. He, yeah. lives in, he lives in England, apparently, and a lot of the ownership group is – Alberta based, but they're getting yeah. older and it's possible that within a few years, the team could be up for sale. And if they don't get the building that they wanted, they can't compete with Edmonton because Edmonton's getting concerts and things of that nature. Cause it's a brand new building and the saddle dome is 30 years old. Then it's re it's realistic that Cal that Ca Canada could lose a team more. No, than I think they would go to Quebec. I, I think, I think the NHL would rather see that team go to Quebec yeah. than out of Canada because I think if it went out of Canada there'd be another massive scream coming out of insurrection. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there would but, but you know what there there's the Quebec play, right? We'll take yes. it. It's just a matter of who's up. But the other thing but is don't you agree, Peter? I mean I don't think the league wants to dwindle the amount of Canadian teams. Really. No, I don't either. But I mean, you know, the other thing is is that at a certain point in time, um, you know, if things get really bad in Calgary, well, we just want to. We'll keep. We'll still own the thing. Own the thing. We just want to put them in Quebec City, and we'll right. get a better lease from them. Right. I mean, there's all sorts of avenues, right? And and with Brian Burke and I and I to this day because I was in Vancouver when he said this back in I think it was 1997 or 98. Mm -hmm. The Canadian assistant plan was in place. It was the first round of this, and he said, "All it takes is one phone call." One phone call and we can sell this team. And if Burke's still in Calgary, he's letting um, what's his face, uh, Ken King, be be the the public mouthpiece. But you know Brian Burke is heavily involved in anything that Calgary's doing away from the city or something like that. He always has been in that capacity, and he always will be. I always and look at it. This situation. I'll tell you what this situation reminds me of. It reminds me of the the Brooklyn Dodgers because the Brooklyn Dodgers didn't leave New York because there wasn't money and there weren't fans and there weren't. It was all about deals. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there was an unholy deal by this guy named Robert Moses. Robert Moses. And it sounds like the same thing is happening there, where 
all of a sudden the fans are going to be undermined by this deal. Yeah, they they want they they wanted to force the Brooklyn Dodgers to move out of Brooklyn and play in Queens. Right. And be, and they refused to do that because they had a plan, and they ended up moving yep. to Los Angeles because they were yep. they were sick of being dictated to by Robert Moses. Right. I mean, in this situation, there's one deal that that the Flames want. There's another deal that the city wants. They're battling over it. it one reminds me of it. It does. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it, it is. But I mean, I can't conceive of the fact that they're actually going to move out of Calgary. But I think and I think that right Anything's now it's possible when it comes to money, Mike. That's the I, thing. Yeah, I think this is the. I mean, right now we're in threat mode. We're in like, yes. okay, if you don't do this right now, we're gonna do this. But I think we're years away from it coming to a head. But I don't think there's any. I don't think there's there's not budging. There's no movement on either either side right now. Yeah. Um, okay, let, let's just touch on a couple games last night, uh, Russ. I don't know. Did you watch any of that Penguins uh, Islanders game? I did watch some of it, and this was a game where the um, the Islanders came back tied it and then lost an OT because again they don't have great goaltending. Like I you know, it's just matching up three on three against the Penguins in OT is really a mismatch for the Islanders. And but this was a game they came back because of their goal scoring because they usually usually lose leads and a lot of times don't come back like that. So but here's the thing. At the end of the day, these are regular season one point games that you're getting. I can't feel great about these points that I'm getting as an Islander fan, other than, yes, I may make it to the playoffs. But the minute these games turn into we're playing them out, they're going to have a problem because well, they are going to lose. I mean, and again, what I said snarkily yesterday, how many goals are they going to give up? Five? And they gave up four. Well, my nominee of shift of the night was Matthew Barzell in overtime. He get, he knocks he gets knocked into the net, knocks the net off the moorings, but the, but the, the play is going the other way so the referees don't blow the whistle. Right. He comes back, scrambling back to get back in the play, and then he then he runs into John Tavares and almost knocks Tavares out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that, that's the thing. The the Islanders' goaltending is going to kill them. I mean, maybe not now, maybe not keeping them out of the playoffs, but it's I don't right. think it's goaltending that they can depend upon. And but the thing is, like we said yesterday, I don't see an option out there of them being able to trade for somebody who can improve. Uh, over Grice and Halak. So, you know, if they trade if they trade for example, they trade for Robin Leonard from Buffalo. Is that an improvement on either no, one of them? No. Yeah. So uh Peter, the uh the, the Panthers and the and the Jets. Now I watched some of this game. Oh, actually, you know what? One other thing. Go ahead. Because Chris Tristan Jerry's new in the NHL game, like I felt like his last two goals weren't great either. So right now the Penguins are a little more susceptible than they probably will be when Matt Murray's back in games like this where they're going to give a few up because they've got a rookie goalie in there. Right, and speaking of rookie goalies, Eric Comrie plays for the Jets yesterday. Uh, the Panthers won 6-4, to four, but I was focused on the other end of the ice because James Reimer is horrendous. And the only reason I think that, that the, the Panthers didn't you know, win by a lot more was, again, Reimer, Reimer is not playing well. And Bob McKenzie this morning on TSN said – you know, there's a recognition out there that the Panthers right now are looking for goaltending help, and it's not that they're looking for a backup to fill behind Reimer. They're looking for somebody who they think can take over for Luongo because they're not happy with Reimer. Now, this this is the funny thing. The, the group that brought Reimer in was the analytics group, and everything that they did, Dale Talon is moving away from that from those moves, every single one. You know 
yeah, the whole thing with Florida and, and, and the joke that came out, the computer boys and stuff, you know, I was thinking about this today when I was at the gym this morning. I don't know why. It just popped into my head now because obviously the Jets played them last night. And I was thinking, you know, I would love to go back and look at, if you could, because it's usually on the websites, is look at what Florida's hockey operations staff was five years ago. What were they spending on their staff? And are the idea that it's the analytics guys, not so much about player personnel, but about efficiencies for other things, right? And reduce your overall expenses by paying this. It wasn't that they were brought in to figure out how to build a team, but to find efficiency so they didn't have to spend as much money on all the outside resources of players to build the team. You know what I mean? It's a bit yeah. of a difference. I don't think we can pin everything on those guys that every move is no, done because of them. Sure. I, I think they're a cog in the machine. And Viola's machine is he's looking for mass efficiencies to trim down his expenses. And this probably makes a lot of sense to his mind is that analytically speaking, I can cut out quarter of a million dollars of, of, of personnel expenses, just throwing numbers out by hiring these two or three guys. I don't know. It's just something that, that, that I was wondering about, but that game last night, I mean, you know, Reimer didn't play well, but he played well enough at the key points because he stopped a lot of stuff that could normally would have gone in and yeah. give him credit. I think Kyle Connor's probably a little ticked off today. <laughs> um, Russ, the flyers win again. Uh, 4-1 over the Canucks. Now, you know, we were talking before this Western Canada road swing, and they swept Western Canada. It's not easy to do Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and sweep, but they did. And going into this trip, it was Dave Hextall, How you know, let's count the days till he gets fired, even though Ron Hextall said we're not going to let him go for the rest of the year and or potentially beyond. Well, now they've won three games in a row. Is the heat off of Dave Hextall? The heat is off right now, and – and I think it, it was going to be off of Hextall probably for most of the year unless something kept happening because of what Hextall said. But I don't know if all the heat's going to be off Dave Hextall because, again, if you watch the breakdown of that game, Nolan Patrick played six minutes and like 38 seconds, 40 seconds of even strength ice time. Mm -hmm. Connecting had 11 minutes total, but like I want to say it was seven minutes of even strength ice time. I, you know, and I was on a show this morning and they said, well, you know, it's all part of experience. Guys have to learn. I am of the belief guys do not learn by sitting. Right. I get yeah. that you were losing games. I do. And you want to win games at the NHL level. But I think these kids have to figure out how to win and do what the coach wants. Where if he wants to lock down a game, then I think they have to figure out how to lock down a game. And Connect is still early in his career, and Patrick's way early in his career. And so, you know, I was on TSN Winnipeg today, and they asked me, is there any NHLer that I think could could get flown in last minute, parachuted in is the way they used it, to the World Juniors? And I said, yeah, Nolan Patrick. I think that's the guy they should do it with because, no offense to Jordan Cairo, really good player, Nolan Patrick would be head and shoulders yeah. above him and would really help the team, but would also, I think, really help his confidence. And I and think that's a key thing. And there are indicators that Tyson Yost is going to be let uh, – they're going to let him go to for, for the World Junior for Colorado. Well, that's that's a big deal if they do. Yeah, uh, but but I agree. I mean, Yost, Mike, we went through this, remember? I, I'm sorry. I, I want to get mad. 
Well, we, well, okay, whatever. I, you know. I asked him specifically in an interview. He said Jost. Jost? Okay, Tyson yes. Jost. So he may, he may go to the World Junior, and he can enjoy some chicken wings in Buffalo. But, um, no, okay. You you wrote an article for Sportsology, Russ, that, uh, of a secret Calder candidate that uh, I was a little surprised by, but. I, I don't think it's a secret. I think it's just being overlooked because with the bright light of Brock Besser and Matthew Barzell and Clayton Keller, I think people are forgetting Malcolm Subban has six wins. He's 13th in the league in save percentage. He's got a 923 save percentage, and he's doing it with an expansion team. Like this is something where if we all remember, go back to that first game that Malcolm Subban played for the Bruins, it was bad. And mm -hmm. there were so many people after that when he got in again and looked bad, was like, oh, man, this guy, he's never going to be anything at the NHL level. But again, at, he was in the 2012 draft. At 23, it does start to click for a lot of goalies. And so now he's getting regular playing time. He's won a couple games in a row. And when I looked at the situation, I said, you know what? I looked at ESPN, and, and I had some fun with them because they have the predictor, right, for goals and all those things. Mm. ESPN predicted he would be 43-14 and 14 with a 923 save percentage. If that's the case – he would Come win on. the Vezina and the Calder. <laughs> Come on. Jeez. I know. And I said that's not going to be the case. But he would win both, right, if that were the case. But it just shows you the pace that he's on right now and where right now he deserves the recognition. He is yeah. going to possibly face PK tonight if he's not ill. He yeah. he had a an illness, so he didn't practice, Malcolm. So he might be facing his older brother tonight. But here's a key thing. I accidentally uncovered while looking at this how amazing 2012 was for a goalie draft. And here's who we had in the goalie draft. And, and I think I found an anomaly that I don't remember ever occurring before. But in the first 62 picks, you had you had um, Andre Vasilevsky 19th. You had Subban 24th. You had Dansk 31st, Stellars 45th, and Corpusalo 62nd. They've all played at the NHL level. I can't recall a draft where – that many goalies in succession all played. So you yeah. have that going for it, right? And then if you skip down to 80, 83rd, you got Matt Murray. And if you skip down to 87th, you got Frederick Anderson. Who, was, you, who, was, a, who was a redraft. He was yes. He was originally selected by, uh, I think, Carolina in 2010 yeah. in the seventh round, and then he came back in yes. the draft and got different. And, and, and if you slip down to 130th, you've got Connor Hellebuck. And if you slip down to 163rd, you have Linus Ulmark, who I think we'll see some more time this year. Yeah. Russ, did you mention Frederick Anderson already? Yes. Yes, yeah. I did. If you slip down to 179th, Marek Mazinek, who has gotten some time, Rangers re-signed him. Yeah. If you slip down to 184th, Mark, Mark Langheimer has actually played yeah. a game. Merrick, Merrick Langheimer. Merrick, sorry. I said, yeah, I, I, that's a mistake on my part. <laughs> and then – if you go to 198th, Joachim Ryan for San Jose. Like, this is 12 goalies that have seen NHL time. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah no, that, that is. And and, and, the, and it's funny because – And then there, there might be one or two more, believe it or not. Mur Murray was overlooked in the Rookie of the Year last uh, last year. I mean, he you know he won a Stanley Cup before he qualified for a rookie, sort of like uh, I think – And I think Ryan. that was a big reason why. 
Right. Yeah. Sort of like Ken Dryden, because Ken Dryden, remember, he was he won a Stanley Cup and then he was then he was still a rookie, technically. Yes. But uh but yeah, but goal I think goalies I think goalies are always overlooked unless I mean I think I'm I may be wrong. I think the last rookie of the year goaltender might be Tom Barrasso. Uh, like 1983. Yeah. Who I mean I mean I remember I know he won the Calder, but but I, I can't remember a goaltender after that. Did Carey Price didn't win a, uh, win the Calder as a as a as a rookie? Hold on, I think uh, there was. Like, yeah, while, while you're while you're looking that uh, looking that up, I'll just let, let, let me touch on the uh, on the games for Friday night. Here we have five games tonight. Uh, Blue Jackets. Eight days in two thousand nine. I knew there was okay. Oh, uh, that's it. There you go. Hey, there you go. You should have gotten that, Peter. He's on the Jets roster. I know. I know. Should have known. <laughs> Sorry, that. Peter. No, it's okay. I was trying to think. Now, I mean, have, has there been any update on Mason? Because I know that it was it was a concussion. He's skating. Um, he yeah. could be back soon. Okay. There, he could there, be back soon. there is going to the next protocol, and I I would suspect um, that if he does, he'll be back next week sometime. I mean, there. The, I mean, we we have the trade freeze coming up December the nineteenth, except for the Calgary Flames because we. You know, Brian Burke likes to put the trade freeze there a little early. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of speculation about the goaltending situations throughout the league, Pittsburgh, Florida, a few other places. I, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that teams won't make that move before the trade freeze because once that goes into effect, it goes into effect for, I think, a little over a week. It'll be after Boxing mm -hmm. Day. And if you don't have enough goaltending at that point, you're, you're stuck. I mean, what are you yeah. going to do? So I, I maybe Hutchinson gets moved. Maybe guys like Eddie Lack and Hammond, and uh, there was some talk about uh, one of the Leaf backup goaltenders with the guys down in in, in Toronto uh, with the Marlies, either Sparks or Calvin Pickard being uh, available. So, um, and there's been some talk about Buffalo goaltenders as well. I mean, well, I just brought up Tukarski yesterday. He, he's probably could be in the mix yeah. too. And with all with all marked down in Rochester, that opens up. I mean, the Sabers are clearly not going to be a playoff team. Chad Johnson is a very good veteran backup who can play more than a regular amount of games. You know they, what? Yeah. Just one thing to think about with um, with uh, Johnson is he's kind of like the same case as Peter Budai was a number of years ago. Yes. You know what? He's a capable guy. He's had some ups. He's had some downs. Went and spent time, and it was with Winnipeg. They spent it in the in the AHL. Mm -hmm. Comes back. The guy's got a career now in a in a in a good situation. Yeah, and and he has proven in two places, Peter, in yeah. Buffalo when I think it was Miller that got hurt, or uh, it may have been after Miller was gone, but I think it was it may have been when, en, when it was Enroth that he he played a lot more games than normal and played. I think it was Enroth actually. Yeah, I think it was I think it was Enroth. I think Enroth got hurt, but yeah. then he goes to Calgary, and when Elliott played like Brian Elliott. They played him as the number one, and he played well for a while. He saved basically saved their season until Elliott yeah. got back on track, and then Elliot they went back to him. Last night, Mike, he won his 200th career game. Uh, I, know. I, I just don't trust the guy. I don't think he's a number one goaltender. I don't, I don't trust any goalie. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, I mean, you want to believe, but at no point do I yeah, ever – You sound like Bill this. Belichick and kickers. Like, well, you yeah. I, I, heard, I, I, heard the, I heard this discussed – on, on a show, and I, I want to bring it up to you guys because you know you you describe someone as a number one goaltender or as a premier starter in the league. 
How many guys in the league are premier starters in terms of goaltenders? I mean, is it is it ten? Is it five? I mean, you know, I, I in in the in the East, you can say Price, you can say Bobrovsky, yeah. you can say Lundqvist, but maybe you know he he's a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many are there? Yeah. Because like, yeah, is is Tuka Rask because they got you know? I mean. Russ, I mean, is there is there a way to quantify it or like to know how many there are? I mean, I think quick is. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to quantify it. I think, you know, you you but there's less than there used to be. Let's let's go with that. Yeah, I mean, there was an argument whether you know whether whether Frederick Anderson is a, is a and I I don't think he is. I mean, I think you have to have a you have to have a. I mean, I think he's a very good goaltender. I think you have to have a level of consistency over a number of years. And in the playoffs too. And in the playoffs too. And you know he's had you know he played well last year. He played well on Anaheim's right. run a few years ago. For all intents and purposes, though, he's pro. He's a top five goalie in the in the in the East. For all intents and purposes, okay. So what does that mean? I think that means to me that this is the thing about goaltending that is voodoo, right? And you, we just we agree that he's a top five goaltender in the East. But you're like, I don't know if I can trust him yet. Well, if you can't trust a top five goaltender out of 17 teams, 16 right. teams, right, who can you trust? Well, here's the thing. All right. I mean, so, and that's what's so frustrating about goaltending. If we, we rewind the tape, a much younger Peter Tessier didn't trust Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. <laughs> but now you have to because he's the now reason you, have to. you are where you are. Well, Hellebuck's – exactly. And, and, and Anderson, I think, has given reason, particularly last season too, yes. that you can trust him. Right. And well, I think he's trustworthy. Team, I just don't think he's a the little. Leafs and Jets are battling for thirteenth that they don't have Hellebuck and Anderson playing. Agree. Yeah. Play, well, right? Anderson Anderson might not be the, the the sixth best goaltender in the Metro. If you right, Holtby, Murray, Lundqvist, Bobrovsky, mm-hmm. um, Schneider. Yeah, I mean he that's the. You know, so and, then maybe he isn't top five in the East, or maybe right, I mean, right, is he top five in the East because of the record of the team and his no, record? That, that's or, not all about. It's not no, all. No, I I think right like now the argument against him being top five in the East is is because for two consecutive years he has started off the season the first month being extremely subpar, save percentage yeah. under nine hundred. Yeah. You know, and if it wasn't for the team scoring like crazy, he probably would have had a losing I mean, record. Look, if it were all about wins, Cujo would be in the Hall of Fame, right? So, I mean, you have to yeah. look at it for a I lot think, more than that. Well, I think I think he should. Be I, of course, you do, Mike. We know that. Okay, well, just let's talk about the schedule here <laughs> briefly. Uh, the Blue Jackets play the Devils, um, Rangers, Capitals. So we get this ch- chance to see whether Kevin Shattenkirk can make uh, Barry Trotz eat his words. Uh, the Golden Knights at the Predators, and I, you did mention before, uh, you know, the the Subban brother matchup. Um, Jordan Subban, the third Subban brother, did get traded last night. A one for one deal between Vancouver and Los Angeles for Nick Dowd. I think that probably has something to do, Russ, with the uh, the injury to Horvat. They wanted maybe some depth yeah. up the middle. And they got a guy who could win some faceoffs. But I got to tell you something. Now Jordan Subban is not the biggest guy, right? He's five no. foot nine. But he has offensive ability, and he is a really good athletic defenseman. Mm-hmm. Boy, they they were shopping heavy on that one. Like that's one where, yeah, I, you got what you needed. So you you know you ran out ran out and got your holiday gift last minute. But you could really get crushed in the long term with this one, especially with the way the Kings 
know how to work with young defensemen and, mm-hmm. and, and they've been proven to be able to almost, if you think about it, there's almost not a defenseman that you could think of drafted in the first round or even the second round with the Kings that has not gotten an opportunity and looked pretty good for them, even if it took five, six years. Right, and you potentially down the road could pair him with a bigger defenseman like a yeah. Forbert or something like that, and he, yeah. you know, he, Forbert's that guy, right? Because we he finally made it, and he and he looks good. So they they're like the def, the, the defense whisperers. They really are. So this could hurt them. Yeah, and Van, I mean, I, I was a little surprised because I remember there being a lot of talk early in the year about Subban playing playing in Utica and playing well, and then he's off to a bad start this year. I don't yeah. know if it's injury. He's only got six points or something. So, and, and it's got to say something that you know that Travis Green was was the Utica coach. Now he's up in Vancouver, and they moved right. Subban. Moved Subban, so maybe he wasn't on board with him. And they have Ulevi in the organization, so. But uh, you know, yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh, uh, so yeah, Golden Knights and Predators. Uh, the Sabers play at Chicago. So the seven, seventeen, and four Buffalo Sabers, and uh, the Minnesota Wild at the Anaheim Ducks. So we have five games tonight, and uh, I know that uh, in Toronto that it's the it's the doubleheader this week at Pittsburgh on Saturday against Sidney Crosby, and then coming back on Sunday and Austin Matthews facing Connor McDavid. So that will be a nice little doubleheader uh, for the Leafs. Um, any any highlights for the weekend, uh, uh, Peter? For hockey? Just for, for yourself or for, uh, for the Jets? Oh, I, my youngest son's a basketball fanatic, so he's got, his, he's got a playoff game tomorrow in his fall league. He's got – then he's got his social wrap-up for the team right after that. And then um, – I'm already wearing my blue and green for the Seahawks visiting the Jaguars on Sunday because you know if they're going to do anything, they got to run the table to finish the season. So, and for you in Buffalo, I will say, hope you're enjoying uh, Mr. Hauschka as a kicker because Walsh is killing the Seahawks. He's like the only good thing that the Bills acquired this year. He's like he's he's nails nails from fifty even fifty five yards out. He's a yeah. really, he's really great. But uh, Russ Bills Colts. At, at New Era Field, the building that we'll be at later this month for USA versus Canada, they're selling tickets on StubHub for four bucks. No. Wow. But that's a trap game. That's one with, if you're Buffalo, you're a little worried. That that could be every a trap game. It's a trap game because they can lose every single one of them. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Jet game. They're playing Denver for a couple of reasons I'm looking forward to. First one is – Robbie Anderson didn't finish practice yesterday, but he's is, is playing. So he's been catching a couple touch, touchdowns a week, it seems. So they really need him. But I, there's also some payback for Denver. In 1998, the Jets made it to the AFC Championship game yes. and lost with a 10-0 lead in that game. There was some guy, Terrell Davis, and yada, yada, yada. And, <laughs> and they didn't get to the Super Bowl. And so I'd love them to bash the brains in of the Denver Broncos. John Elway almost hit me once. With his SUV, that's true. You know what? He didn't almost hit you with his teeth, did he? No, with his SUV. He was backing out of some place pretty quick out of the um, – whatever they were calling the place where the Avalanche play because we were going in there for a radio show, and, and he came flying out of a <laughs> – A McNichols arena. Yes. Good. Hey, and, and Russ, anytime the Broncos lose, an angel gets a set of wings. I agree. It's, 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 it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> I agree. And every time the Bills lose, they lose. And I'm happy the Yankees lost Otani. Thank you. Because oh. <laughs> Mike said it was a guarantee. 
I did not say it was a guarantee. Mike Francesa said it was a guarantee. I, I knew it was a Mike. Hey, what's yeah. the story with Francesca now? What's going on here with this whole thing? He's, he's leaving. He's, he's out of radio. Next he's, week. Well, no, he's he's leaving WFAN. Right. This is a, I think it's December 15th. But the rumor the rumor is, the rumor out there is that in, and he can't announce any future intentions until January. The rumor is he might be going to satellite radio and doing shows with Mad Dog because oh. he could probably he could probably arrange a schedule there where he could work two or three times a week and probably make as much money as he does uh, on terrestrial radio. So I will bet you anything that's what ends up happening. But I, I don't have oh, here's a rumor, and this would be awful. Okay, Mike Francesa and Bill Simmons. Oh, they God. like each other. That no, you know what? I don't that's care. Not, they like each other. I don't like the combination. That's not out. Of, honestly, when 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 Mad Dog left, the guy that he wanted to get as the as the guy to replace him was Bill Simmons. But interesting <laughs> enough, there's a rumor uh, going around that, and until his contract extension was just announced, that um, Bob McCowan was maybe courted for that position. I, you know, I joked about that today. It that's was like. Interesting. When, because Bob Bob McCowan just announced a three year extension with the uh, with yeah. the fan, and I think he's okay. he's going to re probably retire after that. But I you know maybe as a challenge. I mean, I, it would be tough for McCowan. McCowan is so ingrained in Canada and in Toronto. I, I you know who I liked in, liking that too. Um, and now I'm going to hope I remember his name. Not Pete. <sighs> well, not Pete Franklin. Pete Franklin, when he came in from Cleveland, man, it was like coming into another planet. And Pete Fra and Francesa was the replacement for Pete Franklin. I know. Yeah. Pete Franklin came in, um, Peter. It was just – and that was in the height of Sports Talk Radio. Or not the height, the beginning, rather, really? Sports Talk Radio. And he came in like he was Mr. Big Shot, and he knew everything about football. Mm -hmm. And he'll teach New Yorkers about football. Yeah, and he was, was, and he was, was, hate, he was hated in New York. Oh. So, so. – Okay. Do you have to be like Russ? Do you have to be a New Yorker or a, a tri, like at least say tri-state sort of entity to be have that kind of credibility to manage a New York station that way? You almost do. You don't have to be, but you have to be mindful that if you walk into that environment, that you don't piss all over it. And that's what people. Right. Carton Carton wasn't a New Yorker, was he? I, I think, think he was. I think he was from Philly, actually. Yeah, and that's and that's you know that's, that's not close. It's that's close. Closer. Yeah, yeah, but okay, guys, great show. Uh, I hope everybody has a happy weekend. And I'm not watching the Mike Francesa documentary. Newsday asked me to on on Twitter, and I will not waste my time. Thank you. For Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, who's not going to waste his time. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.